You are listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, JT The Brick. This is JT The Brick, and welcome to The Game Plan, our final game plan of the year, of the 2020 season, as the Las Vegas Raiders are in Denver, Colorado, taking on the Denver Broncos, who are 5-10, and 10, the Silver and Black 7-8 and eight in the final game of the year. Wow, what a year. And we've been talking about it on the podcast. We've been talking about it on Raider Nation Radio. You've been seeing all the content at Raiders.com and on all the television shows that we produce from Silver and Black Productions. And this was a very dramatic year. And before we begin, we'd like to thank you, all of our loyal listeners, everyone who downloads this podcast, when you share the podcast, when you come back, I really appreciate it. From my family to your family, Happy New Year. And I hope you have a tremendous 2021. The Raiders had a very dramatic season, to say the least. They got off to a 6-3 and three start. They seemed to be in cruise control heading into the back end of their regular season schedule. But then they hit several road bumps and will miss the playoffs. A season where the Raiders had to deal with COVID on an extreme level. Also, many, many players were injured. Uh, John Gruden didn't know what players he would have from game to game. The team played with tremendous passion, tremendous effort, but came up short. This will be a very important offseason for Coach Gruden and Mike Mayock to evaluate the players that they saw this year. The young players in the last two rookie classes, the free agents that were brought in to help this team win and decide what direction they're going to go in next year. I believe there's so many positives. If you think of the performance of Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, playing through injury and having an outstanding season, Rodney Hudson, Colt Miller, several players on the offensive line, and players who showed flashes. That's one of the things we talked about this year. There was no consistency on defense. The defense struggled. Paul Gunther was relieved of his role. Rod Marinelli brought in. And the defense cost the Raiders a couple of big games down the stretch that cost the season in a season where I thought the Raiders were good enough to make the playoffs. But because of COVID concerns and a lot of the issues that the rest of the league were dealing with, the Raiders couldn't get over the hump and couldn't get to the next level. Vinny Bonsignor, who's been on the podcast, really summed it up when he talked about the Raiders and what happened this year. In two games during the last six weeks, the Raiders' offense handed leads over to the defense with less than two minutes to play. In another, the offense gave the opponents the last chance in overtime. The defense fell short all three times, failing to hold leads. The Raiders lost three critical games by a combined eight points. That's it. That sums it up. We'll go back quickly to the game against Miami when Ryan Fitzpatrick came in in relief and connected on one of the most Important pass completions in Dolphins' regular season history. Fitz oh, is hit and goes the penalty flags come flying. That was completed across midfield to the 41-yard line. This is going to attack one extra 15 Hold yards. On. And he got a face he mask. He got a face penalty. mask. Oh, my extra goodness. 15 yards. Oh, my goodness. How did someone get the I don't, oh I don't believe this. They got a hold of the face mask, and Fitzpatrick somehow got the ball off. I can honestly say you'll never see that again in your life. Raider fans have been through the immaculate reception, the tuck rule. They were on the winning side of the holy roller, 
and other big games to see a hands. We know about the history of the Raiders in big games, but for that to happen the way it happened, to eliminate the Raiders from the postseason, no one will ever forget that play, including John Gruden, who set his team up. Big controversial decision. Kick the field goal instead of go for the touchdown. Gruden stands by that decision. Yeah, I have a regret because, you know, we lost the game on the most horrific play I've ever been associated with, you know. But, no, I mean, we study analytics. You know, people don't think we study analytics. The analytics say that was a, that was a great move. That's why analytics don't know anything either. So that is something that we'll talk about, but it's behind the Raiders, and the Raiders need to go forward and find a way to win this game. Find a way to finish the season strong and come out strong next year. I'm big on calendars and dates and what they mean. And the Raiders could start off 2021 with a win. And that is very important. Really important. We talked earlier in the week to Rich Gannon, who remembered back to 1999. Same record as the Raiders had now. They won that last game against Kansas City. Following year, they went 12-4. and So the Raiders have been eliminated from playoff contention. The Raiders have missed the playoffs for four straight seasons. And the Broncos have missed the playoffs in five straight seasons since winning Super Bowl 50. And that's under John Elway. And we'll see what happens here. The Broncos have won five straight Week 17 games versus the Raiders. That is something to think about as we go into this game. So there's a lot happening. And the Raiders have to play for pride. They have to play for their futures. And I've talked about this all week leading into the game plan. End on a positive note. There were a lot of positives this year. I mentioned Darren Waller. He's six receptions away from Tim Brown's all-time receptions leader list for one season. Tim Brown's got 104. Waller's got 98. Darren Waller's passed Todd Christensen, Jerry Rice on this list. That's a big deal. Derek Carr wants to get to 4,000 yards on the year. And believe me, he wants to get there. Derek wants to get to 4,000 yards. That is a big-time milestone. He has 3,732 yards, and he's got 25 touchdowns. And let's not forget Josh Jacobs, 976 yards on the year. He'll go over 1,000. That's an important milestone in this game. A couple of stats like we always do on the game plan. Broncos come in with the 28th-ranked offense. The Raiders are in the top 10 at 10. Raiders rushing offense, 120 yards a game. Pretty much the same for the Broncos, 119.7. What jumps out at me, third down efficiency. The Raiders ranked fifth in the league. They were once ranked number one. Denver ranked 27th. And when it comes to the defense, the Raiders defense overall, total defense 24th, rushing defense 22nd, passing defense 25th. The Raiders have struggled on defense all year long. Both of these teams really struggle with turnovers. The Raiders tied for 26th at minus 7. And the Broncos, listen to this, dead last in the league, 32nd overall with a minus 20 turnover differential. So a lot going on in this game. Play it hard. The Raiders get a win. I don't want to hear about draft picks in what order. Raiders want to get to 8-8 on the year. When they should have won 9, 10, 11 games. But COVID, a lot of injuries, some questionable decisions, and we find the Raiders looking to win one more game and finish on a high note. Big, big guest list we have lined up. Benjamin Albright will join us from KOA in Denver, a great insider. Hall of Fame Denver running back Terrell Davis. And we begin with my conversation 
on Talk of the Nation with one of the all-time greats, Charles Woodson, who hopefully goes into the Hall of Fame first time this year. We welcome in one of the all-time great football players, Charles Woodson. And Charles, another tough loss against the Dolphins. And it seems to be a common theme in the second half of the season as the Raiders haven't been able to close out these games. How do you see it? Well, I think you just said it. I think they've uh, offensively, you know, I feel like they've, they've put themselves in a position to win games all year. And I think when it comes down to, you know, end of game situations or allowing the fourth quarters to get away from them, you know, the, the, the defense hasn't been able to step up and make the stops that it needed. Uh, if you look at the, the long touchdown run with the, with the pass play to uh, the receiver from Miami where he makes a couple of guys miss and then runs up the sideline, you know, that's a heartbreaker right there. You know, you, you got the team right where you want them, and then all of a sudden you let them back in the game with a big play. So I think, you know, for this team, you know, you know moving forward, that's the one thing that they have to address is that, you know, when we get up, we get leads late in the game, we got to protect the lead. Charles, a ton to get into with you, but before we break it all down, I want your thoughts on the importance of going into Denver and playing with pride and finishing strong so the team doesn't go into a long off season with a bad taste in their mouth. You know, JT, that's what the game is all about, man. You know, no, nobody wins a championship every year. You know, nobody makes it to the playoffs every year. You know, of course, some more than others, but, you know, a, a lot of teams are going to be playing, you know, this week. And, and, you know, their vacation is going to start, you know, as soon as that game is over. But it's all about going out there, you know, each and every time you touch the field and giving it everything you got. You know, it, it's not about uh, what, what's going to happen in the offseason or, or, you know, what your plans are. You know, you got to focus in for three, three and a half hours uh, on, on game day, you know, the last game of the season. And just go out there and play with some pride, man. You know, put, put good effort out there on the film. You know, the one thing I, I tried to always pride myself in is when you turn the film on, I wanted you to see 24, man. I wanted you to, I wanted you to notice me. So hopefully those guys go out there with that same mindset the last game of the season, put it all out there on the, and leave it, out, leave it all out on, out on the field. Charles, some positives. Darren Waller needs to be in the conversation along with Kelsey and Kittle as the best tight end in the game. What have you seen with his growth? Uh, you're exactly right. Um, you know, talking to a group. Uh, I think it was a Raiders group earlier this year. And I think he, you know, Waller was like 90, 90th rated player, you know, in the top 100 or something like that. And I said, man, this guy will probably move up, you know, 70 spots. And uh, that's, that's exactly what should happen. You know, he's one of the best young players in the game right now. And when you talk about tight ends, you know, Kelsey Kittle and those guys, Darren Waller is, Darren Waller is right there with them. You know, no questions asked. So, uh, when people speak about tight ends and they, they talk about who's the top in the game, please mention Darren Waller. Charles, the offense put up points all season. They did struggle in the red zone a bit down the stretch, but clearly this offseason the Raiders need to examine this defense. This division is loaded, and they're going to have to compete with Justin Herbert Mahomes for years to come. Your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, this, this is this is a passing league, and, and when you talk about that, you know, AFC West with, with Herbert coming in, and then you already have – uh, Mahomes, you know, you, you got guys that can sling it around and they got weapons to throw to. You know, you think about the weapons that they have in Kansas City. You think about uh, a Keenan Allen uh, type of guy down there uh, with the Chargers. You you got weapons that you got to go against, man, and you got to be able to, you know, put guys on out on the field um, that understand football, you know, understand situations, uh, know how to get off the field. And, you know, just 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 have that will, you know, to go out there and win. 
Um, so, you know, definitely, they're definitely going to have to address that. You know, they're going to have to be able to get after the quarterback. Uh, we need pressure. You know, quarterbacks, are, we can't allow those guys to sit back and, and have time and, you know, pick the uh, pick our defense apart. So I think that's the one thing that, that has to be addressed is, man, we got to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. Well, we know coaching in the NFL is critical, but at some point, Charles, the players and the leaders on this team, they got to take control and take this team over the hump the way you were able to do it. What is your message to some of these young leaders and how they can improve that aspect of their game? Yeah, I think it, you know, it all boils down to, you know, what you do every day. You know, what the other guys on the team see you doing every day and and that kind of catching on. You know, I, I don't think it's, you know, always about what you say with your mouth or, or the rah-rah, rah-rah stuff. You, you got to go out there and show and prove. And the more you can do that, the more respect you you garner from your your teammates and then guys want to be a part of that and, and then guys want then guys want to start playing for each other and i think that's the one thing that these guys have to build on they have to build um the trust uh with one another out there in the field and, and going out there each, each game and, and and knowing that hey i know this guy is going to be where he's supposed to be um and he's going to make a play and, and if he doesn't you know what i'll be there you know pursue you know, it's like on defense, man, you got to pursue the ball. I mean, that each individual, you know, has to do it. And then everybody else starts following along. Uh, so it's important for those guys to build that chemistry, build that trust with one another um, so that they can go out there and play as, as one unit. Yeah, one of these future leaders has to be Jonathan Abram. Love the passion and energy he plays with. He really still, Charles, hasn't played a ton of football in the NFL. They asked him to do a lot this year from what you've seen. With his struggles this season, what should he do in the offseason? What does he need to do to become a better player? Yeah, I, you know, I'm like you, man. I, I love the kid's passion. You know, I love the way he plays the game. You know, he's a tough – he's kind of a throwback player um, if you look at him and, and the way that he plays. But he just plays a little reckless at times. You know, I, I know he wants to, you know, get up in guys' face and, you know, he wants to talk his talk, which is fine, but you can't do it at the detriment of the defense. Um, and then just little things, you know, being in the right place at the right time, uh, not trying to do too much. You know, if you just kind of, uh, you know, especially if you're back at deep safety, man, if you just play your area, you know, the ball, the ball will come to you a lot of times. So he has a tremendous upside, but he, he's got to be able to, you know, control rage a little bit more out there on the field so that he can actually play productive football. You know, otherwise, he's going to continue to get himself into trouble, get kicked out of games, get fined, and none of that is going to help the team. We're about a month away from the Pro Football Hall of Fame announcement. Amazing, because it seems just like yesterday, you were flying through the air, intercepting passes in the silver and black. Now, I don't want to jinx it, but what are your thoughts right now as you wait around and wait to get that knock on the door from David Baker or the Zoom call? You know, it- <laughs> It's funny, but I but I'm actually uh, trying not to think about it. You know, I think the I think the the closer you get to it, you know, you actually start developing a little bit of nervousness, and it's like I, I don't know why I'm I'm getting nervous about it. I mean, it's a month away, and you know who knows what's going to happen, but <laughs> I, I try not to think about it, JT. Well, Charles, Intercept Wine has been a huge success. You and I've been talking about it for years. I see your business flourishing. Now you have a whiskey, but there's even more to it as you're mentoring young business people. Give us the big picture on what's going on in your life as a businessman. Yeah, just, just you know, trying different things, man. Um, the one thing I, I, I try to pride myself on is is not being put into a box, you know, being able to explore different things and 
um, that, that was, you know, when I first got into the wine, you know, that was kind of, uh, you know, eye turning uh, or head turning to people, you know, that I was into wine. And then now here comes uh, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. And, you know, that kind of took people by storm as well. So I would say, man, if you can find good people um, to be in business with, uh, and you have a passion and you have something that you want to do, then by all means, go for it. So um, this is this is the second stage of it for me. Uh, first, it was with wine and now it's with whiskey. And uh, look, WoodsonWhiskey.com, if you want to go on to it and, and see what we're all about, then check it out. But this is this is this is uh, just another avenue, man. I'm just, you know, trying to continue to build my legend. Well, I have a bottle of your wine right here, and it's absolutely outstanding. I continue to wish you success. You mean so much to this organization and fan base. All the best in 2021, Charles. Thank you so much for doing this. JT, always good talking to you, man. Take care. When you can't share fun times with people, it's it stinks. You know, to, to uh, go out on the field on Saturday night football, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, national TV in Las Vegas, and have no one there, it's tough. It's disappointing. Not to have any friends, it gets lonely. But uh, I'm like everybody else. You know, I share in the responsibility of beating this virus and staying positive and knowing at the end, you know, good times are ahead. Touchdown. Las Vegas. Since starting Allegiant some 20 years ago, we've flown more than 100 million people to be with those they love. We're pilots, flight attendants, and technicians, but we're also parents, spouses, and neighbors. And just like you, we're excited to reconnect with the people and places that matter most. That's why we're going the distance for health and safety on the ground and in the air, because the further we go now, the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow. Allegiant, the official airline of the Las Vegas Raiders. Low fares, nonstop flights, only at Allegiant.com. Benjamin Albright, kind enough to join us as we put in the game plan and get ready for the Broncos at Mile High. Benjamin, good to talk to you. Happy New Year. And a game that everybody thought would mean a lot more for the Raiders about a month ago. Now these two teams playing for pride. How do you see it? I think you're right. I think if you look at the Raiders' streak of uh, season-ending games over the last 10 years or so, I think it really is a point of pride for them. You know, for the Denver Broncos, it's about, you know, continuing to try to put wins on the board. They feel like they're improving, but the record isn't really showing it thus far in the Vic Fangio era. What has been the problem? Has it been the quarterback play? Has it been the injuries? Because you just heard me say the Raiders have been decimated by injuries on top of COVID. Assess what's happened within the Bronco organization with COVID and injuries. I think it's been some of that, too. I, I think it, that's hurt both teams. I mean, you look at the Broncos, they had a freaking practice squad wide receiver starting a game at quarterback against the Saints at one point. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's definitely been a thing. Last couple of games, they played without seven defensive starters, held Kansas City to their uh, second lowest point total of the Mahomes era. Um, they're playing at five corners go down over the last three weeks. Um, it's just, you know, it's just been injury after injury and COVID thing after COVID thing. And, you know, when you've got a, a young offense on top of all that, it's, it's really tough. Quarterback play has been a problem. Uh, the, the relative youth of the offense has been a problem. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, there's just too much for a team that's not as talented as a Kansas City or Buffalo across the board. Benjamin Albright's our guest, host, reporter, analyst at the Broncos flagship, KOA Colorado. So you know John Gruden's been taking a lot of heat uh, the last couple of weeks. First and goal at the four against the Chargers with Mariota, a game they easily should have won, and then this Ryan Fitzpatrick miracle on top of the penalty with 19 seconds left. 
you cover this sport nationally. What did you think of those last two games and how the Raiders found a way to lose? Well, I, you know, I always uh, always get a slight chuckle when you start to see teams snatching defeat from the jaws of victory multiple weeks in a row. You know, we talked about the Falcons, the Chargers doing that earlier in the year, Raiders kind of doing that now. Although I'll say this, I, I thought the uh, David I thought he played that strategically correctly. Um, it just didn't work out for them. They got that miracle play, and then defensively they had the exact wrong call on. I don't know why you'd have a corner defending low zone, Tampa two, and a hail mary play, uh, and then you know, and then throwing, uh, get a penalty on top of it. So, I, you know, I, I thought they played that right, just didn't work out for them. But you know, Gruden deserves some of the heat, some of the some of the meltdowns been on him. Some of the fact that you know you've got a, a young defense that's been banged up. They're not you know not quite as talented across the board as they need to be yet, and you know that that hurts too. So you know, it's just it's more than one thing. I think the easy thing to do is sit there and point the finger at the coach because it's easy. Uh, but, you know, identifying all the problems and saying to yourself, hey, can we correct these with this staff is, is more nuanced. And that, that doesn't make for great sports talk, I guess. Yeah, Benjamin Albright's our guest. Was the toughest part of the Broncos season, the schedule early, tight loss to the Titans, or tight loss to the Steelers, and then a loss to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers to start off 0-3 digging a hole early. Yeah, I think that's part of it. The other part of it is Drew Locke got hurt, you know, in that, uh, right into the into that Steelers game, and, you know, and then he missed a bunch of that. So you had Jeff Driscoll out there. He just wasn't capable of, of being able to. I know they played it tight, but he just wasn't very capable. Uh, so I think it's a combination of things. You know, you missed your quarterback. You, you, you know, you go out there and uh, you start the season with some time. It just gets you down. You know, you get discouraged by that. But, you know, I thought they picked themselves up pretty admirably. They, uh, they got a win on the board against the Jets, and you know, and then played tough and put, put wins on the board throughout the season. Uh, you know, five, five, six wins isn't enough for a team like this. You need to be doing better. But uh, for, for what they've had to go through in terms of injury and, you know, not having quarterbacks for half their games at this point, I think that uh, I think they did okay. Benjamin Albright joins us from the flagship in Denver of the Broncos. Yeah, for me, I'm wondering about Locke. When, when he played in Vegas, he, he took a beating in that game. And he ribs, and he was just getting hit around. And I thought he showed tremendous toughness. He didn't have a good game. But I liked his moxie and his toughness in this game. Is he looking over his shoulder? Does he think that he's going to have this job next year? What's the sense with Elway, Fangio, and Lockett quarterback? Well, that's, that is the big question. I think nobody knows what they're going to do. I think that you know everybody I've talked to in the organization suggests that they'll probably bring a veteran uh, in, have a quarterback competition in, uh, uh, in camp, and, and kind of go from there. They'll give Lockett a chance to win the job, but it's not going to just be guaranteed his, you know, as far as that kind of stuff goes. I, I think Lockett needs this game. I, I think he needs to bounce back from that Raiders performance because while he did show you know, a gutsy performance, it was abysmal from a from a pure quarterbacking standpoint and you know he got slapped around pretty hard so he, he needs to come back and show that he can be the guy leave that great impression in the minds of the coaching staff and the front office uh, going into the off season and say hey look give me an off season a true off season with these rookie wide receivers and we can put something together next year la hit one of the biggest home runs in league history when he got peyton manning one of the greats of all time he gets them they go to two super bowls and win one and Manning, that, that changed everything. Denver didn't have to go through a real rebuild, a hard rebuild. Then they come out of Peyton Manning. No one expects another Peyton Manning. But do you sense that John Elway is going to look for that veteran? And he'll never be, they'll never be another Peyton Manning. But to find someone who's in there, maybe 30, 31, 32, that could come in and maybe win the job and be great because the Broncos have so many outstanding players on defense. And with the addition of Jerry Judy, and some of these uh, receiving weapons, this team could get right back in the hunt quickly. Yeah, I, I think if Matt Stafford was available, they'd jump mm-hmm. all over that. Um, 
you know, they missed out on Tannehill a couple of years ago. They were going to pull the trigger, then they didn't. You know, they missed out on that, and we saw how that turned out. So, yeah, I think Matt Stafford was available. They'd make that move. I'm not sure that he will be. Uh, plus, there'll be other suitors, so I don't, I'm not sure about the price there. Other than that, I, I don't know if it'll be somebody of that caliber. I, I think, you know, they might bring a Darnold in to try to push him, a Minshew, maybe an Andy Dalton, something like that. Uh, but I, I don't know that they'd go out and swing for the fences on that. They've, they've tried some other veterans, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco. Those didn't really work out. And, you know, obviously nobody's Peyton Manning, but uh, the, the hard rebuild that they've had to do after Peyton Manning has really kind of eroded Elway's reputation after he built it up those first six years as a general manager. Yeah, that's tough because when you have that type of political will around the community like that, you're a legend like John Elway. It takes a while for that to go away, but it seems like he knows he's got to figure this quarterback position out quickly. Benjamin Albright, as we wrap it up, how are the fans handling this? Because I've been to Denver a lot, and these fans are rabid. It's a big-time football town on your shows and just in and around town. Does everybody just toss this off to a COVID year? and expect high expectations next year? What are the fans saying? Uh, I think it's pretty says we need to blow it up and start over, and you got part of them that are willing to have patience for one more year. Uh, this mm-hmm. fan base is not known for being patient, and in a way, they've gotten spoiled. You know, you had John Elway for so many years, and even during the down years in between, you had Jake Plummer and, and for a minute there, Jake Cutler, then you get Peyton Manning to come on in. This, this fan base is just not used to bad quarterback play for long stretches of time. And so uh, the, the ice under John Elway is very thin. He's going in the last year of his contract, and, you know, I, I think that really this coming year is going to be a referendum you, you either make the playoffs or they're blowing the thing up wow john elway could lose his opportunity and with the Wolin family ownership there is that complicated can you explain that quickly how the ownership ownership structure is run now out of denver and who's making that big decision yeah that's it's a long conversation i'll try to yeah. cliff note it um it's it's so uh, joe ellis is really kind of in charge of the trust the pat bowen trust that he put in place once he realized he was uh, his mind was going there are conditions of the trust for one of the children that uh, that if you meet all these conditions you can take over as the controlling owner thus far none of the kids have done that Brittany bowen is the closest and she is on track to do that probably by 2021 or 2022 uh, but as it stands right now there's a lawsuit from the older children contesting the validity of the will uh, and joe ellis is the one that's making all the decisions as the head of the trust isn't that incredible it sounds like that tv show secession or something <laughs> as, as you as you report on this and you do shows and you're really a respected name in that community there is that something you go near or do a lot of people just avoid that topic it's tough we i try to bring yeah. as much nuance as i can and you know you know you know how hot take radio guy is gets out there with a bombastic <laughs> opinion i i just try to give the facts and say here you go i don't have an opinion on this it doesn't affect me as far as that goes i i you know i'm just going to give you the facts on where it stands today and we'll go from there well this is a big game i talked to john gruden because the raiders want to end eight and eight and they want to this is i'll leave you on this benjamin why i think this is such a big game is it's a new year we're coming off the worst year in sports history with the pandemic and you can get a win to start off 2021 heading into the offseason I think this, this is going to be an excellent game. I think these, both these teams are going to leave it out on the field desperate to win. I, I totally agree with you, and I tell you what, having had both these two teams play each other to end the season last year, I can tell you there's no better feeling, even in a season where everything went wrong, for you to come away with a win at the end of the season to give you hope. So I, I agree with you. I think both these teams are going to be duking it out. Sounds good. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. All the best next year. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Being a Raider is for tough, hard-nosed people. That's for sure. And uh, when we started to... You know, go on a run and win some games and things like that. You know, everyone got a feel of what it's like. And then you get punched in the mouth and kicked to the dirt a little bit. You get a feel of what that's like, too. And we bring in Hall of Fame running back Terrell Davis from NFL Network. 
So good to see you again. And I got to begin with the Broncos Raiders rivalry. What did it mean to you every time you took the field against the Raiders? Oh, it was uh, it was a big week. I can, t- I can tell you that. You know, it was always the week that, you know, when you prepared, you felt like you were preparing for the biggest game of the year. And I remember my rookie year, we played on Monday Night Football. It was the first Monday Night game I had played. We played the Raiders. And, I mean, the whole building, Mike Shanahan, the players, the organization, they they made that game seem like it was a Super Bowl. And I got so nervous because the pressure was so big to play well on Monday night football. I had my worst game ever on Monday playing against the Raiders. And we won a game 27 to nothing, fortunately. But I had the worst game, man, because of the weight they put on that game. Yeah, and so many legends played in that rivalry. Terrell, that's what I love about it. If you look at the history of the Broncos and the Raiders and think about all the Hall of Famers who met up and went toe-to-toe. Yeah, I mean, these are two-storied franchises. And when you when you look at them and uh, – you know, you see, you look at the silver and black and the, the deep, rich history they have with the players that they have. And, of course, Denver is uh, another organization that's been uh, successful for a very long time. And so you're going to have a lot of history and great players coming from those organizations. Uh, Josh Jacobs is having another big season for the Raiders. Can you assess his play? I love Josh Jacobs. Yeah, you know, I thought he should have won rookie of the year last year. Um, you know, he's got a, a game that's that's multiple, meaning he can do it all. You know, he can catch the ball in the backfield, run between the tackles. He's got, uh, you know, he's got the ability to pick up the blitz, um, you know, can make people miss, run them over. So his game is, is real uh, flexible and multiple. Uh, I love him as an individual. I met him uh, before his rookie season uh, at the Super Bowl and had a chance to talk to him and He's a grounded young man. I love where he comes from. You know, the story about his dad and them living in a car. And, you know, so he comes from humble beginnings. And he's taken that humility and really used that as inspiration to be a really good NFL player. So I think for me, his floor is uh, or his ceiling is just it's it's way up there and he'll continue to get better and and ultimately be the best back in the the National Football League. As an analyst for NFL Network, when the Raiders were six and three. What were you thinking before December came about and a couple of these losses down the stretch have been a gut punch right here for Raider Nation? Yeah, you know, my, my family, uh, they're, they're huge. Well, at least my wife's family, they're huge Raiders, Raiders fans. And so uh, when they were six and three, I had to apologize to them. I'd say, man, listen, bro, I was wrong about the Raiders. Like, this team looks legit. And then they knock off the Chiefs and you think really like they've taken that step. Uh, but then the last, you know, half of the season, it has not been going their way. And so um, they've struggled with, uh, you know, defensively keeping teams off the off the board, uh, inconsistent offensive play. So um, you know, it's 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 been interesting to see that because you know a lot of times when you you think a team has turned the corner, you think that's the case, and uh, it just wasn't the case for the Raiders. Now, as you know, we're waiting on a few Raider legends to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame with you, especially Tom Flores, who's waited too long, and the great Charles Woodson. What did it mean to you when you finally got your gold jacket? Well, Charles is in. He ain't got to worry about that. I mean, you know, Flores has definitely been waiting for a very long time. And, you know, so I, I definitely feel like his time is, is coming. It should be up. Uh, hopefully this this uh, this year he'll he'll be able to make it. Um, but for me, it just it meant almost like it was the culmination, uh, the closing and final chapter of my career. You know, before I was inducted, you st- I still had this career that it was amazing, but it didn't have a period. It didn't have an ending to it. 
And so to finally have that closure to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know, it means a lot. It means that, you know, your, your peers respect you. You have the voters who respect your game and the work you put out on that field. And that's all you can ask for. Where people respect what you do when you go on a football field. Now you've been very vocal during your career after football about helping and inspiring today's athletes. What's the first piece of advice you give to a rookie who's thrust into the spotlight as an NFL player for the first time? I was trying to tell them just to recognize where you are, to meet your older self. And what that means is a lot of times when you're in the league, you don't see the future. You only see what's happening now. And you make decisions based off where you are now, meaning financially, you may not be looking at a, a planner or looking at your finances after you're done playing. You're not looking at maybe a career after football. And so I tried to uh, at least just sprinkle that information on them so they can just take a look at another, you know, th themselves years later, and you'll start making moves and things, um, you know, instead of making them years later, you make them now. And also just the fact that, man, you were blessed to be there, you know, you know, and ask yourself the question, like, if you, when you, if, if years later, when people look back at your experience and, and they talk to your teammates, what would they say about you and how you're playing right now? And so that team, that seems to get their attention because it, it puts it in perspective where your teammates are the ones that you're really playing for. And those are the guys that you want to get their, their, their admiration and get their respect. Eric Allen, a fellow San Diego legend, talks a lot about Marcus Allen and how much he meant to the community. Was Marcus someone that you admired? Can you talk about that relationship from your high school and hometown? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so Marcus it was a San Diego legend. And I grew up watching Marcus Allen and basically followed every step that Marcus took. Marcus played for a Pop Warner team called Valencia Park Pop Warner. I played for Valencia Park Pop Warner. Marcus Allen went to Lincoln High School. I went to Lincoln High School. And I used to... I used to think that uh, I used to see Marcus, you know, playing in high school, but he was gone by the time I was able to watch him. But that's how big his footprint was in San Diego and how big his, his, his legacy was, that he was, he was always there, the name Marcus Allen. So we all watched him um, when he went to USC, watched him there, um, you know. And the funny thing about it, Marcus Allen was a quarterback at, at uh, Lincoln High School and ended up becoming one of the greatest running backs of all time. And, of course, I, I watched Marcus and – I you know, got a chance to to meet Marcus uh, early in my career, and uh, it was kind of fun to have two guys from San Diego, same home, you know, same high school, and uh, to be able to say that we have, you know, Super Bowl MVPs and Hall of Famers from one high school is pretty sweet. Well, it's always an honor and a pleasure talking to you. All the best in the new year. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. That's it for the game plan. For everyone at Silver and Black Productions, I'm JT. We'd like to thank you again for downloading the podcast, being a part of what we do every week. It takes an army behind the scenes to get this done. Bobby Machado, who puts together all of these interviews with me and sets up the podcast, Marcus Padilla, and the entire team over at Silver and Black Productions, the digital team, the best in all of the NFL. I am very proud of this podcast. To knock out 17 weeks of this, to talk to some of the biggest newsmakers, greatest Raiders to ever play, the coach, the GM. It takes a lot of work from a lot of people behind the scenes, and I'd like to thank them all. And wish everyone a happy new year and all the best in 2021. Thank you so much. We'll see you next year. Thank you for listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network.